0: Ladies and gentlemen, back by the demand of one person. Welcome to Independence, a podcast dedicated to the world of independent wrestling. I am your host, Darno Willison. And uh, before I get started on uh, today's topic, I just wanted to touch on a couple of things. Episodes, hopefully, in the next couple of months, are going to be more regular than they have been. Um, I think I'm two weeks and a day. Yeah, I think I'm two weeks. Removed from the last episode where I talk about the influence of the internet on modern wrestling culture. And uh, as I'm sure a lot of people know, the weather here in the Midwest has not been the friendliest in the last couple of weeks. A lot of people affected by constant uh, flooding storms that have just been pummeling us back to back to back. Uh, We had tornado warnings here in Chicago over the last couple of days. And a lot of damage was done to my building. And I felt that the sounds of drilling and saws going off wasn't exactly the most conducive to a podcast. But with today, you know, we got a little bit of a break. Uh, So my thoughts and condolences to all the people who have been affected by all this awful weather, even on the West Coast, Pacific Northwest, with the insane heat waves that have been going on just not a fun time in terms of the weather that's been happening also we are officially live on um, all major podcasting platforms so apple Podcasts, spotify soundcloud simplecast you can look up my name you can look up Darno willison uh, or you can look up the name of the podcast independence with Darno willison and uh, once you see the little eye with the wrestling ring on it uh, you know you're in the right spot also as i kind of Go through this expository phase of explaining things that may not be new information to any more of the uh, any of the more hardcore dedicated wrestling fans, but more so to kind of catch everybody else up because I know a lot of the people hearing this aren't going to be some of the most hardcore wrestling fans. You know, these are the people in my circles that know I'm a wrestling fan or people who have heard me talk about wrestling using terms and language that kind of goes over the head if you're not if you're not familiar with it uh, so as I'm kind of speaking to this audience in the first couple of episodes um, if you have any any topics that you want discussed you know if I kind of brush over something and it kind of hits your ear and you want to hear more about that Follow me and hit me up on Instagram at the Ovaltine Dream. That's uh, the O V A L T I N E Dream. No spaces. Yeah, I'm willing to. I'm willing to dive into just about anything that people find interesting as it relates to the world of wrestling. But alas, we have arrived at today's topic, and today's topic is kayfabe, the art of kayfabe. So this idea kind of came to me because I saw. A wrestler, um, a decently a decently prolific uh, wrestler here in the United States, post on their social media. You know, someone had asked him, "Is kayfabe dead?" And he he felt that it, that it was. You know, an active wrestler in 2021 had the feeling that kayfabe was dead. And I wish I can remember where I heard the quote. I think it might have been on the Edge and Christian show on the WWE network, but I heard a quote once that just absolutely tickled me and it was Kfabe is dead. I didn't know she was sick. And personally, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with that. So first let's get into Kfabe, right? What exactly is Kfabe? So Kfabe is the art of protecting the performance of at all cost right maintaining the illusion that what you see in the ring and what you see on television is in fact reality and when you look at the history of modern professional wrestling right tracing back to the carnivals evolving out of strongman competitions the survival of the business was contingent on this idea of kayfabe and As wrestling kind of moves into the television era and you have these established territories having local television products, wrestlers and promotions started to really double down on this idea of protect the performance at all costs. You know, there's the famous stories of, you know, Nikita Koloff, you know, an American from Minnesota, never breaking the Russian character, whether it be going through TSA or being pulled over by the police. Uh, You have stories of the crusher never removing his mask, even if he was walking around his local neighborhood shopping for groceries. He always had the mask on uh, because you weren't allowed to know who he was outside of the crusher. And, oh, there's famous stories of Bill Watts firing, you know, Bill Watts, the promoter, firing wrestlers because they lost bar fights, right? (laughs) Because he couldn't bear the idea of one of his wrestlers being beaten up by a civilian. But even that was rooted in this idea of, hey, if a civilian can beat you up, then what threat do you really pose in the ring, really? And when kayfabe was broken right it was a massive deal even though the secret was out for the most part I mean you can probably find you know if you if if you pulled a random person off the streets from say 1970s forward you know they'd probably say some bullshit like all oh, wrestling's fake you know you know that stuff's fake right but the the secret wasn't really out out in the terms of like it was never acknowledged it was never acknowledged by people within the industry right so when you have these situations like you know the iron Sheik and jim duggan being pulled over when one of them's supposed to be a good guy one of them's supposed to be a bad guy um what god, god what was that 1980 87, 88 maybe that this happened it's a massive deal because it's Oh my god, why why is a good guy and a bad guy hanging out in a car together? You know, they're supposed to they're supposed to hate each other. Or even less than 10 years later when you have the uh famous current call Madison Square Garden where, you know, Shawn Michaels, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall and the uh, Triple H all come out and acknowledge each other as friends as Kevin Nash and Scott Hall are getting ready to leave the company. It was an industry shaking thing. You had traditionalist veterans of the time just swearing death upon them because they thought that they completely shattered the illusion of what it is they do. And while I can get how that stuff can be perceived harmful at the time, I can't help but feel that it merely added an extra layer to this idea of protecting the performance because kayfabe traditionally existed Under the idea of, hey, what you see in this fictional universe is reality. Like, don't question it. Don't bother looking into it. It's just what you see is what it is. But over time, as kind of chips in this wall start forming, it became more about the idea that, hey, we don't know where the line is between reality and fiction. As I kind of touched on in the last episode of Companies kind of starting to embrace this underground aspect of of wrestling. Going into the '90s and early 2000s, uh, you see companies starting to embrace that grayer vision of what of what kayfabe is, right? And wrestlers started to embrace it. You know, it's not really. In the closet, the idea that wrestlers and uh, officials within a company were leaking information to dirt sheet writers. You know, the reason why the whole Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels rivalry of the 90s, Montreal Screwjob aside, sits strongly in so many people's minds is because we knew that what we saw on television was indicative of... Reality, you know, you're hearing all these stories, reading all these stories online, of oh, Brett said this to Sean backstage, and Sean did this to Brett backstage, and then you see them on television, just taking, you know, jabs at each other, and you go, oh shit, you know, that wasn't that wasn't really supposed to happen, and in in the um, in that kind of vein, you know, Brian Pillman is another one that took this idea, of kayfabe to to the ultimate max you know for a while he was just flying Brian Pillman just good wrestler that can do that can do you know jump off the top rope and do all this flippy stuff and flying stuff and suddenly you know stuff starts happening you know he's embroiled in a in a rivalry with the booker of WCW at the time Kevin Sullivan and first you know there's the famous I I respect you, Booker Man, where Brian Pillman and Kevin Sullivan were in a what's called a strap match. Right. So a wrestler, two wrestlers rather, are bound to the wrist by a leather strap. And the idea is you can use the strap as a weapon, but you can't really, you know, really escape each other. And Brian Pillman just got into the ring, grabbed the microphone and said, I respect you, Booker Man, then rolled out and left. And it was one of the first real acknowledgments on television major American television rather because it was WCW that there was a booker right someone who makes the matches and from there he just enters total work mode on his colleagues his friends his family uh, the companies he was working for he starts presenting the idea that he has lost his mind And he would get up into all these antics anywhere where there was a camera or a writer or anybody that could potentially share information with anybody else in the business. Brian Pillman was working. And with this this persona, he absolutely sets the wrestling world on fire because now you have insiders and outsiders talking about, wow, this guy has lost his mind. I think that level of awareness that Brian Pillman had at the time really laid the groundwork for what kayfabe looks like in, in the modern era, because as we bleed into the early two thousands in the era of social media, I feel that fans develop sort of a false sense of enlightenment, right? Because the secret is out. We all know wrestling is what it is. So I feel like a lot of fans sort of let their guard down in a way, right? And they feel that because they know better, right? They know it's a, you know, it's a work, wink, wink, right? You know, I've always said, and I've used this expression in wrestling, that if you think you're too smart to be worked, uh, you're probably the easiest person (laughs) of them all to work, right? Because with the advent of social media, and now wrestlers have a new platform to create and express these characters, that line between what is reality and what is fiction essentially dissolves because we're exposed to these characters 24/7, right? And we exist under this pretense that, hey, what you see outside of, you know, what's on television, is real right if a wrestler uses the real name while making a statement it's real and that could not be any further from the truth there's a handful of wrestlers today that take full advantage of the platforms available to them to promote or elevate their character or to elevate their stories and i think one of the best examples of a modern wrestler who takes advantage of the sort of groundwork that someone like a Brian Pillman laid is uh, MJF, right? Maxwell Jacob Friedman. Now, this is a guy whose entire persona is built around the idea of being a snooty, I'm better than you and you know it rich kid from Long Island who just doesn't give a fuck about others, who looks down on people who he feels are beneath him and takes it to to the max. This is a guy who everybody, everybody who has ever met this guy in public has a story of him being an asshole. There's pictures of him flipping off children at signings. There's pictures of him refusing to shake people's hands and even make eye contact with them at meet and greets. He's appeared on News like local news promoting wrestling while still just saying awful things about people. And it's all to protect this character that he's built for himself, which is essentially what Kayfabe is all about. Another one is Joey Janela, the bad boy. Joey Janela came out of CZW and Deathmatch Wrestling. And his whole gimmick was he's a guy who doesn't give a fuck, no regard for his body, just average build, smokes cigarettes, but is willing to put his body and his opponent through an immeasurable amount of punishment. And this is a guy whose social media game, particularly on Twitter, is just brilliant because he knows that people are paying attention to everything that he says. And that everything he says is going to be taken at face value. So he'll put out little troll comments here and there specifically designed to get the fan base riled up when he's clearly just fucking with people, right? He's clearly just a dude living up to this persona that he created and fans because they feel like they're smarter than that, that they're above being riled up by a guy who's clearly just trolling and Probably one of the more creative examples in recent memory of committing to kayfabe and living up to a character at all cost uh, was everything that Matt Hardy did with broken Bro- the Broken Matt character in 2016. Now, this is a guy who on television was a part of a storyline where he got injured, suffered head damage at the hands of his brother, and he... Broke, right? Like he broke psychologically. And at first, it started off like a guy who's just crazy and has no inhibitions, but very rapidly evolves into just this thing that defies all logic and sensibilities on paper. He started talking about like the multiverse and how his, you know, his essence has traveled across generations and generations, occupying various bodies, and how he knew Alexandra the Great in a past life, and Cleopatra, and the whole deletion thing of wanting to delete his brother from existence, and every time you saw this dude in public, anytime this dude appeared in an interview, anytime this dude put out anything, he was 100% in this character. And at first it starts off as like a wink and a nod like, oh, Matt, you know, Matt Hardy's broken, you know, it's a, it's kind of a goofy gimmick, but we're willing to play along. And his level of commitment to it was so intense that after a while, you kind of forget that this is just the dude pretending, right? This, this is just a guy putting on a character, but he committed to it so much that you get lost in the story of what's of what's being told. And sort of similar to that kind of more recently is this wrestler, uh Danhausen, Donovan Danhausen, uh just picked up a shirt of his actually from the uh pro wrestling tees grand reopening a couple of days ago. And the reason I picked it up was because I was thinking about this guy whose whole gimmick is he's A scary man, right? And it's done very kind of campy. You know, it's not like he's the biggest dude of all time. He wears kind of old school, almost like monsters meets Dracula kind of horror themed face paint. And everything he does is very bad and very evil. And you will not see him out of character without him providing an explanation of why he's not this evil man all of a sudden, you know, he talks about, you know, modern computer graphics making him look less evil and that they had to de-scramble his voice to make him sound normal. And it's it's the level of goofiness along with the commitment that make people invested. And now in the last, I would say probably year and a half, two years, Danhausen has kind of evolved out of this independent guy doing just fun, kooky things for the name of independent wrestling to being like a genuine phenomenon and it just it just it goes to show like we all like to be in on the gag we all like being a part of the joke and yes you can point at various points in history where the illusion was shattered for one reason or another but at the end of the day i think the essence of what makes pro wrestling great And the thing that I believe is contingent on its success is this commitment to kayfabe. And while kayfabe is ever evolving, and what kayfabe looks like now, as opposed to what it will look like 20 years from now, will probably be radically different. The agreed upon participation between the audience and the performers, the characters, the promotions, needs kayfabe. Without kayfabe, it's just two dudes, two girls, guy and girl, whatever the combination is, just fake fighting in their underwear with no real stakes. But when you start committing to these characters in an age where everything feels accessible 24/7, they bleed into what is your reality. I think I've seen more of Matt Hardy's stuff while he was doing Broken Matt Hardy than I ever did in his in his in his career prior. So to me, Matt Hardy is always Broken Matt Hardy even though he's not even doing that character anymore. Same with MJF. Like I know MJF is not that guy in real life cuz he probably would have gotten his ass kicked <laughs> by some by some kid's dad for flipping his kid off, but you see him present this character in so many ways that it just becomes ingrained in you. That every time I see MJF, it is this guttural boo. There is no, oh, I'm booing him because he's actually really good as a bad guy, and so I'm acknowledging his performance rather than his character. No, it's I'm booing him because everything I've seen him do has just been absolutely vile. And that's when pro wrestling is working at its best, I feel. I was just having this conversation with someone the other day where they were talking about the emotion they felt watching their favorite soccer team win. And I was, I was really curious to ask why he felt that way, because I knew I was going to be covering this subject on the podcast here soon. And he couldn't, he said that there is, when you watch these games, that there is just so much at stake that it becomes hard to not get, not get sucked into it. And every win feels like a victory and every loss feels like a defeat. And I tried to equate it to professional wrestling. And he just says, nah, nah, that's not, you know, <laughs> I don't get that at all. And the reason I even chose to um cover this topic in the first place is because one, it's it's an incredible topic with a lot of history and implications. Uh, In wrestling and outside of wrestling, you know, I'm not even going to get into the whole, you know, kayfabe in politics and how, you know, celebrities with certain images maintain, you know, whatever their version of kayfabe is in their world, but because it is through this level of commitment that characters and performers exuded in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, all the way till now, that Elicit these responses from people, you know, I've I mean, I've cried at live wrestling shows. I've cried when Kofi Kingston won the WWE title at a, a WrestleMania 35 because the investment was there. You knew the story. You knew the struggle. And when you go on a public platform, especially as a performer and just loudly proclaim that kayfabe is dead, suddenly you're taking away that power. And suddenly what you see doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't mean anything. I guess I just want to put this out there as a reminder that you're never above the things you enjoy. And if you feel like you are, you should probably find new things to enjoy. But I would hope that this feeling that we have seen with wrestlers like Dan Housen, like MJF, like Broken Matt, like Joey Janela, kind of sparks a second wave of wrestlers taking their characters serious. Because without it, I mean, what are we really paying for as fans, right? So that's it for me, guys. I appreciate you listening all the way through to the end. As always, you can follow me on Instagram at Dream. That is the Oval Team Dream. Uh, you can find this very podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Simplecast, and SoundCloud. Just look up Independence, or you can look up my name, Darno Willison. I have been your host, Darno Willison, and I'll see you next time.